Hey folks, it's me, Ben Blacker, uh, the creator and host of the Writer's Panel Podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. Um, things are, things are going to get weird around here. Uh, we are still on strike. The WGA is still on strike against the studios and streamers and all the people with money who don't want to give us any. Um, if you go over to my newsletter, benblacker.substack.com, I've put a bunch of articles where you can learn more about this campaign. Um, my life is busy now. <laughs> I'm carving out time to go over to the studios and pick it. And it's been electrifying out there. Uh, the show of support from the writing community, but also from other unions. Um, you know, I've run into actor friends and animator friends and, and writers for animation and VFX. And it's, it's kind of amazing. Um, we know that this is a fight for our livelihood, for all of us, um, and and folks are taking that seriously, which is not to say that it isn't a lot of fun out there. It genuinely is. If you are in Los Angeles or New York, and I know there are some other areas too, Atlanta and uh, other places, but if you're in LA or New York especially, come out and join us. You don't need to be in the guild to join the the line um, we, we love to, we need some bodies out there and we love to see the folks coming out and supporting. There are lots of ways to support this action. Um, again, go to my newsletter, go to benblacker.substack.com. And I have some links for especially three ways that pre WGA writers can support the strike. Um, the podcast is going to be different during the strike. Uh, I'm going to, I, I have a few interviews uh, banked. I have a few lined up, um, but there hasn't been a moratorium on publicity uh, by the WGA, but there should be. Um, I, I've had a couple of folks cancel on me saying, we don't want to promote our shows right now. We want to make the studios and streamers and networks feel the loss. And I absolutely agree with that. So, um, I'll be doing some different things. The The podcast will be coming out a little more sporadically, maybe not always on Tuesdays. Um, depends on what my schedule is like. Mostly I'm just going to try to have good conversations. Um, we'll do some strike podcasts, but but I'm not going to do a ton of them uh, because, you know, mostly we just want to get information out. We want to rally the troops and continue to rally the troops. So I'll bring you the occasional um, strike update as it warrants, but mostly I'll just be talking about, to writers about, you know, what their lives are like right now. We'll also be doing some real deep dives into craft, uh, because right now, especially if you are not in the guild, it's a good time to work on your material. No one's going to look at it. You've got however long this strike takes, uh, however long the strike lasts to, to get some material done and have it good and ready for when this thing is over so you can show it to potential uh, agents and managers and stuff like that. So we'll do some deep dives on craft uh, that was suggested to me by a writer friend, which I think is is really cool. Meantime, uh, if you want to support the podcast, and, and as you know, if you've been listening the past few months, the writer's panel has gone 100% independent. I'm doing this all myself. If you want to support the show, please become a paid subscriber on the Substack. It's benblacker.substack.com. I'm going to try to bring you a bunch of um, helpful things, both about the industry as it is right now, but also always craft-focused um, newsletters. 
Before we get into the meat of today's podcast, which is a terrific conversation with my friend John Rogers, who is a WGA board member and has been active in the Guild for a long time. He has some great information and perspective on uh, this current strike, which is, you know, when something happens in the industry, I always go immediately to John Rogers. Um, But before that, uh, I sent word out to a bunch of writers of all levels, all experiences um, recently, and I got some kind of incredible responses. Uh, I asked them to send me a voice memo, or we could do a Zoom, as we, as you heard last week with Akela Cooper, um, just to tell us where their heads were right now. And I got this terrific message from my friend Danielle Nicky. Uh, Danielle is a new writer. She is only recently in the WGA. Uh, I met her during the agency campaign on Twitter when I read some of her material as part of the WGA Solidarity Challenge. Uh, She had written a terrific Handmaid's Tale spec script, which I really enjoyed, and I I demanded to read more stuff from her, which I did. She now has representation. She's been a working writer for about a year now, and she sent me this really heartening and, and rousing and comforting message that I want to play for you right now. I am new to the WGA. I've only been a member for about a year and a half, but I was a teamster for almost 10 years, and I really learned how important unions are and what can happen when we know our worth and come together to fight for it. So I know this time is really scary. I'm scared. But I'd just like to encourage everyone who's feeling anxious or afraid It's a short-term pain for long-term benefits for all writers and uh, even other guilds. You are strong as hell on your own, but all of us standing together as a union, that's unbreakable. We've got this. All right, that's my friend Danielle Nicky with encouraging words. Uh, Follow her on Twitter at Danielle Nicky, N-I-C-K-I. Now here's my conversation with John Rogers. John is the creator of Leverage and the Librarians, um, but man, he's been around. He started out in animation, writing the Jackie Chan adventures. Um, he wrote the Catwoman movie from 2004, and he is not afraid to talk about it. Um, he wrote the short-lived series The Player. Uh, he wrote the recent movie Marry Me, which starred Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. Uh, I know that was a project he was trying to get off the ground for years and finally made it. It's a good movie. Um, anyway, John always has terrific perspective on the industry and and the economics and the um, sort of bigger picture stuff that we're all going through. So as I said, like he's always my first call when, when shit's going down. Um, enjoy this conversation with John and uh, we'll have we'll have something new for you next week meantime please follow me on twitter at ben blacker i'm still there it's still sort of the best way to get word out about things but also to follow what's going on Uh, so we're all kind of hanging around on twitter for the time being um also please again consider becoming a paid subscriber for the newsletter benblacker.substack.com um you get a weekly newsletter you get this podcast uh, and you're supporting this podcast which I'm doing all on my own these days. Uh, you also get access to exclusive Zoom Q&As with pro writers. Uh, we, we do those every month. 
uh, and paid subscribers are the people who come and ask questions on the Zoom. Uh, we had a terrific one last month with Javier Grillo Markswatch and Jose Molina. These are always really fun and interesting and um, insightful. Great stuff about the business, about the process. Um, always worth checking out. And if you become a paid subscriber now, you have access to all of the ones that we've recorded, which are over on the newsletter right now. Um, so I hope to see you there. Thank you, as always, for your support. Here's my conversation with John Rogers. Union song, union battle, all at it all. Want us all what we got now. Union song, union battle, all at it up. Want us all what we got now. I can't even start to look around me here. Um, John, what has your involvement been in the guild in negotiations in this past, you know, these past six months? Well, uh, I was lucky enough to be elected to the board uh, by an unsuspecting membership back last year. And so, you know, we were right into the thick of it as soon as I showed up. But the discussions and preparations already been being made. And so I was brought to speed. And so, you know, I did whatever uh, people on the board do, which is we received the, you know, we ex expressed uh, the issues that didn't really come from the board, but came from the survey we did of over 7,000 writers, uh, you know, last year. And then the board winnowed that down. So we think that what the, the survey is saying from the writers uh, is this. So you give it to the staff and the staff comes up with the, oh, this obeys labor laws from the 1980s. You've never heard of versions of how to ask for that. Uh, and then the staff gives you their first set of proposals. And then we argue about it incessantly. Um, and, and look, that's, I think, one of the interesting things is going to the membership meetings I'm particularly showrunners meetings because uh, boy, we showrunners are very full of ourselves. That you know, you know, did you think about this, dude? We yelled about that. We we you know, I will be the first one to admit. By the way, I was 100 not one of the people who thought the staff size solution was the right way to solve that that issue. For example, amongst various things, and but Mike Shore at the showrunners meeting explained exactly the process we went through, which is then we gamed out the ways the studios could screw us on that, and went, wow, it turns out. Minimum writers is the way to do it because if you do any of the two or three other solutions we come up with, it's too easy to get around. And that's what we spent, you know, weeks doing is what's what's the way to do this uh, to make it both bulletproof and communicable. And, and you know, and Chris Kaiser makes this point in the meetings that um, it is an interlocking set of solutions that are required because the studios are full of lawyers. And if we don't have a, basically a bunch of walls built on all sides of the fort, they'll find a way in. Um, and so that's what we did. And the staff went back and, and rewrote them and came back and we figured out how we wanted to present it to the membership. Uh, and th that was a lot of arguing, like, what's the best way to get this across very clearly? And I, Chris, I think Chris did a magnificent job. And because unlike a lot of the other guilds, this is a bottom-up guild. If, if nobody voted to strike, we're not going on strike. You know, the, the board just can't go rogue. Um, I mean, we could, but we'd be done. You know, you get rid of us like a year later. And, you know, 98% of people voted for that strike because they listened to each other. And even the people who aren't 
getting jammed up by the business. And there are a few, there are a few people working in broadcast that are, are, are kind of like the people living in comfortable homes during climate change going, I don't see any water. It's like, well, it's coming. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's great that a lot of people really put the interests of other writers ahead of their own. You know, people are willing to go to the wall for comedy variety writers. They're willing to go on strike for feature writers and the feature writers are traditionally underrepresented. And we're, we're very, you know, definite about that. And then, uh, and then on a, a smaller level, Derek Hughes, uh, you know, I went to Merit of the Steam and this cat and said, yeah, I think we need a, an AI working group. And she said, oh, Derek asked me to start one last week. So he's already taking points. So I joined that and a small group of writers examined, you know, AI, the nature of AI, the evolution of AI, how it is being used. And, uh, you know, we came up with a rough set of proposals that we gave uh, to recommend it to the board and to the staff. Um, and they integrated that into the demands, uh, you know, on relatively short notice because the chat GPT thing blew up while we were already putting our pattern together. Um, and I, I completely credit Derek for that. I mean, he really was way out ahead of everybody and, and did a great job of rounding up experts to come talk to us and, and really coordinating uh, what I think is a very fine working paper to, uh, to present to the board. Um, so we would have a coherent policy for this. Um, and, and, you know, I'll say, I don't think our AI proposals go far enough. Um, you know, our AI proposals are very much uh, proposals you make to reasonable opponents as opposed to people who are probably, you know, we used to joke on the AI working group. Um, there's another working group at Universal right now in a basement made up of executives who are our opposite numbers, like the old, you know, the, the, the old smiley spy things where it's like, I know my opposite number in the KGB. Um, and so, you know, I think that's it. Every board member is doing different things, playing to their own strengths. Um, you know, some of the board members are were around since the 2007, 2008. Some people are great at organizing money. Some people are great at organizing people. Um, you know, they did a fantastic job of putting together YouTube videos. I think the communication this year has been superb uh, with the YouTube videos. And I think that was 100% Angelina Burnett and Adam Conover. Um, I helped out, I wrote one of them and it was just like, oh, you need a hand. Okay. I'll hop on and be a hand on this one. And, and off they went. Um, and, and so this is the thing. It's like, everybody sort of finds what needs to be done. Uh, and, and then we handed over to NEDCOM and, you know, the, the officers are there, but the negotiating committee is in there and some board members of the negotiating committee, some are not, I don't think necessarily think that's where my strengths lie. So yeah, I certainly don't mind not being on there, but for example, having Adam Conover on was crucial because it's the first time we've had a comedy variety guy on NEDCOM, uh, you know, having feature people like Meredith in is important so that feature people get, get, don't get ignored. Eric Heiser, you know, mo primarily a feature guy, but, you know, but, uh, doing TV now, but mostly a feature guy. And so, you know, negotiating committee went in and then they would come back to us with where they were and we'd talk about it. So, you know, it's very much negotiating committee uh, and Ellen Sussman, who is a rock star, who's a killer. Uh, uh, Ellen does not suffer fools gladly. And that includes me when I am being foolish. Uh, she has shut me down on more than one occasion and rightfully so. Um, and and so, you know, they go in and they make their best faith attempt. And unfortunately, uh, not only did we not get to where we wanted to get, the studios, the companies, because you know, studios is an old school term, the companies refused to even engage several of the concepts we feel are very important uh, to the future of writers. Uh, and this is not an ego thing, you know? 
let's talk about that for a minute, because I think it was really startling to a lot of us to see the proposal and then response sheet that that the uh, guild put out, which was so clear and like talk about great communication. Like, I mean, it was amazing when Adam posted that you saw people not even in Hollywood like, yeah, I don't even know how Hollywood works, but this seems like bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to welcome to the party, pal. Yeah. So so the thing I want to start with, and then I, I want to really kind of dig in on that for a sec, but like the thing I want to start with is, so when the negotiating committee would come out of these negotiations and, and report to the board and everybody about what was happening, like what was the feeling among the group in those conversations? You, you know, I, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of that because it's unfortunately nothing came of it, um, but, you know, but I think it was, uh, we're not getting where we want to go there is some movement and this the strike authorization vote really gave us a great amount of leverage and they went in and i think it's important to focus on stuff that even um even though we didn't get where we wanted to go we got stuff already that we didn't get before you know we got a producer writer producer tier introduced uh to get paid more it's too little uh but we can now build up from that you know we got script fees for staff writers which we've never gotten with they told us to you know they've absolutely 100% shut us down 100 times before um they they you know started with minimums in streaming you know and 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 started building up their you know the foreign started actually taking foreign streaming numbers seriously where where they have hundreds of millions of dollars that we're just not accessing uh and again didn't expect that to come. Um, a premium, uh, one of our big things, a premium for a free green light room, you know, where it's like, look, if you're only going to do 10 weeks, pay us for 10 weeks to make a show, because we're handing you a show at the end of 10 weeks, you're going to pay for that. Uh, they came back with like, okay, let's start. Like, it's too small and too restricted, but they already gave. And so that's the important thing to understand is like the, the strike authorization vote was the tool with which NEGCOM went in to get what little we already got. Unfortunately, the companies just did not take the threat of a strike. Even if they took it seriously, they they could not, or at least the people in the room could not go uh, as, as far as we need them to go. And so I think this is the thing is, you know, when they would come back and talk to us, it would be progress is being made. Unfortunately, not as much as we hope, uh, which I don't think is a surprise to anybody seeing where we arrived. Uh, but, you know, we don't, the board doesn't get in Nedcom's business. Like, there's a reason it's two separate groups. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, they're in there doing a different different job, and it was good for us to come to it with clean eyes. Uh, and and look, we negotiated all the way through the weekend. They negotiated all the way through Monday. Monday afternoon, I was seriously hoping we wouldn't have to do this. And uh, it was not until you know there was a chance where we got the email like, "Hey, we all have to hop on to, to vote." I was fifty percent of me is like, "Oh my god, we got a deal." You know, because there's no way they'll do this. There's no way they will shut down the city over two cents on every dollar for their profit. Because I know, by the way, we're not going to get everything, so it won't even be the two cents. It'll be one and a half. Like, they're not going to do this. They just paid their top eight executives $733 million. I mean, I think one of the important things to remember is these numbers sound big because there's a lot of people involved. It's a very big business. But what the writers are asking for, roughly $400 million, is what Netflix spent on stock buybacks for one quarter. I mean, it's they're throwing around amounts of money that they they wouldn't even you know we're what we're asking for, which would change the life of every writer in Hollywood, is not even a rounding error to them. And I think this is what was really frustrating. Is like I can't believe 
they're taking us here, but okay. I mean, I think it's just this, uh, very much, as I wrote on my Twitter thread, this is part and parcel of just the attitude, unfortunately, that has infected American business. Yeah, I, and that's something I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, like, it, there was always the in, indication, or at least the the supposition in past negotiations that we were negotiating against people who also saw us as people. The studio saw us as people, or... Oh, they were monsters, but they saw us as partners. Like <laughs> they saw us as useful, useful idiots. But like, but useful, yeah. Or they had to make something, you know. Like they had to. They cared about making a product. At the end of the day, yeah. End of day, they had to go make something at some point in order to make their living. You know, because if they didn't put stuff on the air, there were no advertisers. Or in the early days of streaming, you know, there's nothing people. There was nothing to put up. You know, and and. Um, yeah, I mean, and we knew going into this, I was certainly not the only person to raise this question going into the negotiations of we are dealing with very different people right now than we used to. Um, has it affected negotiations in specific ways? I can't tell you. I'm not on NetCom. Do I feel like it is obviously part of a larger pattern where there are people, look, there are people in Hollywood making tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, who are not fundamentally changing the nature of the job, are not fundamentally changing the nature of the business, but they're taking advantage of financialization of how Wall Street values growth. And and they're they're stripping these companies for parts just like they stripped Kmart and Toys R Us and the, the airline stock buyback. Like this is just unfortunately over the last five to six years, say 10, but you know, really it's really accelerated this sort of line go up mentality uh, to steal the meme from YouTube and, and the, you know, Grace said, explain your videos that uh, is just not sustainable. And Hollywood is a sustainable business. Hollywood has been successful, unceasingly successful for a hundred years. It is a mature business. And even if there are new and exciting markets, it's a mature business moving into those markets. And the sort of crazy disruption model that has worked in an immature business like tech, and by the way, with the failure of various sundry tech companies and Bitcoin and the rest of it, we see it is not sustainable. Um, we are We are in a crisis, I think. Yeah, I think you you said this um, over on Twitter, and I I wanted to hear you. I, you know, for folks listening to this, I wanted to hear wanted them to hear you talk about it. But um, this argument that people may make that writers are being unreasonable, that times have changed. I think like this is what we're touching on here. Well, I this is this is part of now. Now we're into like uh you know Gramsci's reification uh you know now we're into like old old early 20th century uh socialism but but look but this isn't just Hollywood either times have changed times have changed times have not changed all right times were changed by someone who made a choice and there are th times that you have to adjust to new technologies or new changes in the market you know hey we're changing the way we make cars because these robots make it way cheaper and the difference is in Hollywood, it's like, you know, it's going to take roughly the same amount of effort in humans to make television, but we need you to do it way cheaper. It's like, why are we not profitable? No, we're wildly profitable. We're making like 
the companies are averaging between 28 and 30 billion dollars in profit not revenue profit a year and that's during covid when they were afraid they were going to bottom out it's like well then why must we not get paid as well and my must the writers only work 10 weeks and the showrunner goes and works alone what, what why and you know it's because the other side is basically saying because we said so and you're allowed to say no no <laughs> like we have you know, my, my old showrunner, when I was a very naive young writer and something happened, and I was like, you know, that's not fair. And my old showrunner snapped him. He's like, fair is whatever two people agree to. And you're like, yeah, man, Hollywood's... I always love when people say Hollywood is socialist. I'm like, Hollywood is the most brutal capitalist competition on the earth. Um, but, you know, there's two parties in this. We make everything they sell. We make the only product they sell. If we don't want to work like this, we're allowed to say no. And I think what's really interesting is if your first instinct is to go, how dare you? Ask yourself, why are you not saying that about the studios? Why are you only saying that about one party in this negotiation? Because some part of you has been trained since you were very young to believe the companies just get to get away with whatever they want to get away with because you know they're the companies. And there's a little bit of like, not to you know get into to morality, but there's a little bit of like, well, they're companies. Like, they're supposed to be rapacious. They're supposed to maximize profit. Well, first of all, everybody's supposed to maximize profit in a capitalist system. So are we. Uh, if the president of the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery can go argue before the shareholders, I'm worth X, pay me X. Why can't the writers go to Warner Brothers Discovery or any other company, I'm worth X, pay me X? It's the same argument except for some reason in America, we have just defaulted that the company gets to make it and the worker, regardless of what the worker is, doesn't. And, you know, David Graeber, who's unfortunately passed, is a brilliant economic historian. And, and one of the things he says is, you know, the secret of the world is it is what we made it. And we made it. And we got our, took our eye off the ball because Hollywood was super successful and super sustainable and competitive and hard. You know, the average career of a screenwriter is seven years. You know, it's it's really a difficult business. It's like being in the NFL. You know, you got you got seven good years, and there's only two thousand of us working at any given time. Like, really, it's closest approximation to the writers' guild is the NFL. Uh, nobody's saying NFL players shouldn't be negotiating you know, for what they want. It's it's just that. And so I think that that's the thing is, you know, we took our eye off the ball because even the execs who drove us crazy, they still liked making TV and movies. Like we all made stuff. We all went to premieres. We all said, yeah, this is our business. Whether we disagree with how to make it or not, yeah, or whatever, we, this was our business. And we just took our eye off the ball and let a bunch of people who don't think that way in. And now we have to fix it. That's all. You know, that's what we're trying to do. Is this the same sort of um, slow crumbling of late stage capitalism that we're kind of seeing everywhere? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, <laughs> I wrote the only actively anti-capitalist television show on basic cable. <laughs> so, you know, what answer you're getting from me. I mean, that's that's, that's a cheat, um, you know, but I think uh, I think that, yes, I mean, this uh, something I wrote on Twitter is. Uh, this is the same fight everyone else is having. It's just nerdier, you know, and that's that's it. It's like 
when you wake up and go to work and think you should be paid X and the company thinks you should be paid Y, do you get to go have that fight? A hundred percent. Yes. And that's, that's part of it. Like we're just the other side of the market forces. It's just that people workers are not used to being a market force because we're told we're victims of market forces. We're told we're influenced. We're helpless before market forces. No, you're market force. Your production, you get to say, I don't want to do this under these conditions. And it doesn't matter if people go, well, those conditions seem fine. Good. You're not doing my job. I am. And uh, I think that if that dude is making 20 bucks off my product, I should get a dollar. And if that dude is making a billion dollars off my product, I should get $2. That's reasonable. you know. And I think that's very much, this is the entire country and you're starting to see it i mean the airline union in particular are just they're amazing um and you're seeing you know unions aren't the highest most favorable approval in in decades because people are realizing you know it's just you're supposed to have two sides to the argument and we just stupidly and by the way democrats 100 neoliberalism did this stupidly said well you know the capital always allocates the market always allocates capital in the most efficient way no, it doesn't. I mean, if it did, we wouldn't have booms and busts, and, you know, and, and crashes and cycles and monopolies. We wouldn't have that. We do because you the the argument is the point, and we're just making an argument, um, and we're making an argument because we love this business. And not only is the way they're doing it bad for us, it's bad for the business, and it's great for their quarterly reports, and it's great for line go up. And it's great for them bonusing out. But 10 years from now, TV and film is going to be in a shambles. And the people who actually want to, these guys are going to go. It's going to move on. And we're going to be sitting here like, well, how the hell did we get here? You know, and we we have, we can see, we don't need to imagine what's going to happen. We've seen it happen. This is the thing. We are drawing a line now because over the last 10 years, we have watched 30% of writers in the in the union go from working at minimum to 50 percent of writers working at minimum where is that going to be in 10 years no we're good one quarter of showrunners are working at minimum you have been in the business for 20 years tell me the other job where you have been in the business for 20 years and you're making the same as somebody on their first uh, per week on their first year on the job no no other job would put up with this you know, a union auto worker would say, on your mind, my brother who's an electrician is like, are you on your mind? No, of course not. But somehow uh, we're, we're okay with it because that money's spread out over X amount of time. And, the way, and, and it just, this is us trying to fix stuff. This is us trying to turn out of the skin, basically, you know, and I wish it didn't, hadn't come to a strike. Of course. Yeah. But I think we all know. And the thing I'm seeing, you know, the past couple of weeks and especially today is like everybody seems to understand that this is an existential fight. And it's not just an existential fight for writers, though it is. But like you're saying, it's it's for the industry itself. Well, I mean, I, and look, I think that was one of the interesting things. I just briefly touched on AI on my online writing. And it, that one post got seized on. And then the fact that, you know, Adam Cutover printed the um, the actual list of demands and the responses and, the you know, our very reasonable AI demands, which is uh, it cannot be considered literary material. It cannot rewrite. Uh, and, you know, you can't use our copywritten material to train it was just literally no response, no counter. And so journalists 
an artist and everybody else is like, wow, this is the first people to actually pick this fight and look at the response. And, and I think that's one of the things is the writer's guild. Lucky is the wrong word. The writer's guild is the writer's guild because 90 years of writers have sacrificed themselves uh, to make sacrifices to get us here. You have healthcare, the best healthcare in America because writers went on strike. You have residuals because writers went on strike. You have residuals in the internet, which is 50% of the business because writers went on strike. You have your pension because writers went on strike. You know, so we're not lucky. We're here because other people did what we are now called to do. But what we are fortunate is that when these dudes came for us, we were organized enough and prepared enough to draw the line where other people unfortunately have been in situations where they have been so beaten up for so many years and made so their precarity has been brought to their world. They, they did not have the, the ability to stop them or they are in businesses that were started on these bases of, you know, exploitation and are working uphill, you know, you know, there is and like Starbucks, you know, that's the Starbucks union, that kind of thing. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm not about to say the writers, the, you know, the writers of the vanguard of the revolution, but I will say, um, but I will say we're picking a lot of fights other people anticipate having to pick. And so they're watching how our fight goes. Um, you know, this is, this is, you know, DGA is going in to negotiate and, and our stuff doesn't really pattern to them. So it's going to be interesting, but you know, SAG after has got a lot of similar concerns, especially about AI. Um, and so, and AI is coming for them first, you know, as far as, as far as where the tech is right now. So I think that this is very important is this year, this period of time is the last, one of the last times we get to have this fight on anything approximating equal ground. Let me wrap up by, by asking, you know, in a practical sense, you know, a lot of uh, pre-WGA writers listen to the podcast and, and they want to know how they can support. What can they do and what can they be doing in general right now? Um, look, this is the thing. This is, this is a strike that is going to cause a lot of economic hardship. And so we're not about to ask people who are already engaging in already dealing with economic hardship to make it worse for themselves for benefits they're not necessarily going to get. If if you wish to come to the strike lines and and be supportive, great. But I think the big thing is is just to promote the the, the cause and the movement within your group of friends, uh, within social media, within your family. You know, when people ask why is this going on, um, you know, to to be supportive when you can, but like, don't pick this fight. Like, I love the pre WGA people. Like, let us tell them. And it's like, guys, we're having this fight for you so that 10 years from now, you'll have this fight for somebody else. And that's, if you're saying like, how can I help out? Help out then like 10 years from now, when some other insane bullshit has come down the pike and the writers go like, well, it looks like we're going to have to strike. Don't be the people in the meetings like, oh, you share the 2014. No, it's like, you know, the only way you keep your health plan, your pension, family leave, which we got in 2020, which, which nobody saw, you know, coming, the, the pandemic one, um, you know, be prepared to go fight because it's a fight. It's always a fight. It's going to be fight till the last studio executive and the last writer 
spin out into the cosmic darkness of a dying universe. It's going to be a fight. So save your strength, young free WGA writers, uh, you know, and, and feel free to you know, occasionally bring some juice or something to the line. But what gives me hope know. is, you know, we've never struck and come out with a worse deal. You know, we always come out with a better deal. What yeah. gives me hope is um, the stuff that uh, Gabe Gar- Garza was was talking to me about this, that the our guild is not, you know, they're not unreasonable. You know, we're asking for things that are important and we're not looking for 100%. Nobody ever is. I think what's crazy here is that the writers are literally coming and saying, hey, man, can we go literally just back 10 years, way before you had all these insane profits and just go back to paying us what you paid us then. Like, I mean, our, our income has dropped. This is not about us getting raises. You know, our, our income has dropped in real terms, you know, but with inflation over the last few years by 23%, real terms, 4%, you know, Justin Halper, who's on Abbott elementary makes the point that 10 years ago, his writer room's budget was $150,000 an episode. And his current writer's room budget is $150,000 an episode you know, for equal size staff. And, and so I think this is the, what's frustrating is we're not saying, hey, look at all that money. We want a piece of the future. We're saying, hey, look at all that money. Could you make good all the damage that's been done over the last 10 years? We're good to go back to 10 years ago. That's how reasonable we're, we are. All we want is that. And if we were in some business where it's like, well, we don't sell those kind of cars. Well, you're horse people, and we don't sell horses anymore. We sell cars. We were buggy whip makers. You could make that argument. But we're making the same TV shows. We're making the same films. We're making the same new other interesting things. Uh, and nothing on the ground has changed except greed. And you know what? You just don't get to unilaterally declare that okay. You just don't. We're going to argue with you. And unfortunately, the argument has come to a strike. Um, well, we, we, I speak for myself, but I think I speak for many when I say, I feel like we are in good hands with our leadership and with our negotiation, uh, negotiating committee. So thank you. Yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, look, I appreciate that, but the, the writers guild is unique in the fact that, uh, we are, we are shepherding the power that you have given us and the power that is driven by the direction of the membership. The demands that we made to the studios were based on the membership survey. We did not cook up with them. That was not leadership saying, hey, we think this is where we need to go. This was us going, where do you think we need to go? You know, we only have leverage because people voted to strike. And we only have leverage because people are willing to strike. Uh, so, look, it's always nice to be told you're. we think you're okay at your job. But end of day, um Every single human in the WGA who's listening to this, this is your strike. This is your job. Uh, these are your benefits. And this is your future. So, you know, you don't need me for that. <laughs> you know, you need each other. We may not, but we're, we're glad to have you on our side. Um, John, thanks for chatting. Yeah, well, it's, it's, good, it's, good, it's good to have a thuggish socialist on the lines when the day comes. <laughs> Um, Look, it's always a pleasure, and uh, I will see you on the strike line, my friend. Union song, union battle, all added up, won us all what we got now. Union song, union battle, all added up, won 
us all what we've got now. 